Hello and welcome to Car Talk from National Public Radio with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're broadcasting this week from the Center for Astrophysics here at Car Talk Plaza. <laughs> you bet. Now, this is an actual letter to the editor that was published recently in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And it should give you an idea of the kind of brain power that's too often untapped in our country. Here's the letter. Okay, go ahead. To the editor. You may have noticed that March of this year was particularly hot. As a matter of fact, I understand that it was the hottest March since the beginning of the last century. Mm. All of the trees were fully leafed out, and legions of bugs and snakes were crawling around during a time in Arkansas when on a normal year we might see a snowflake or two. Mm. This should come as no surprise to any reasonable person. As you know, daylight saving time started almost a month early this year. You would think that members of Congress would have considered the warming effect that an extra hour of daylight would have on our climate. Perhaps next time there should be serious studies performed before Congress passes laws with such far-reaching effects. I hadn't thought of that. The extra hour of daylight from daylight saving time is what's warming the planet. Oh, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, everyone knows that every hour of additional warming created by daylight savings time is offset by an additional hour of cooling in the fall when we step the clocks back, right? Right. An extra hour of dark. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. <laughs> well, anyway, if you have a wacko theory about your car, give us a call. We're at 88. You know what's funny about that? Not only did the person writing it uh, demonstrate that he or she is a nut job, but the editor is. <laughs> <laughs> they published it. <laughs> exactly. We're at 888 Car Talk. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hi, my name's Heather. From I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania. Hi, Heather. How Heather, are you? how are you? Erie, Good. Pennsylvania. Erie is. Uh... It's, it's in the chimney on uh, of Pennsylvania on the lake, Lake Erie. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's why it's called yeah. Erie. It's Erie there. <laughs> <laughs> is it scary in Erie? <laughs> Erie and Erie, yeah, yeah. Erie on Lake Erie. Yeah. So what's up, Heather? I have a 2000 GMC Jimmy, and uh, I was driving back from Pittsburgh the other day, and every time I went up a hill. The car would kind of start to like jerk and like chug lug and like um, I would get a power loss. So I'd be going like seventy and then I would go down to like thirty. Going even up though a I was hill. like slamming on the g- g- gas. Yeah, going up a hill. Yeah. Uh huh. And it started out just like a little bit in Pittsburgh, and then as I progressed up the road, it, it just got worse and worse and worse until finally it's like it was going to thirty miles an hour. I had to like pull over and put the blinkers on and you know get off the highway. Really? But, now, now, uh, and you had had no hint of this prior to this no. because what? You hadn't driven on any hills? No, I was in Pittsburgh. There's there's hills everywhere. But yeah. I feel like maybe it happened a little bit on the way down, just a little bit of uh, that jerking, but uh, not uh, a lot uh. that would clue me into that something was wrong. Have you had this vehicle since new? No. Actually, my uncle uh, owned it, and I bought it last year, so I've had it about a year. Uh-huh. So what's it doing now? It's parked well, in the driveway. Well, you know, now... The- <laughs> The, well, the only thing it's doing, it's not doing anything now, because it, it was only when I was going fast up a hill, but there's a noise. A it noise. makes this, like, noise, and I, I left the car, and I put my head under the car, uh, and it's coming from, like, around the gas tank uh, area. Oh. Ah. What is it? It sounds, it sounds like, <laughs> it mm-hmm. sounds like you have a fuel pump that's ready to conk oh. out. 
No, don't say that because I just had that replaced. Ah. Oh, they might have put one of those oh. cardboard fuel pumps in. <laughs> <laughs> you well, I mean, if it's making that noise and it did what it did, the fuel pump is an ideal candidate for this. Oh, really? Yeah, why did you have it replaced? What, what, what was wrong with the old pump? It wouldn't start. Like, the car just start, did not start one day, and they, I took it in, and they replaced it. Well, they may have installed uh, a defective pump, which is yeah. entirely possible. They may maybe have installed didn't, the wrong pump. Which is hard uh, to do, but it's doable. I mean, this pump is, is doable. this pump is inside the tank, so it's hard to put the wrong one in. Well, we've done it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but all challenges are what really keep us going. <laughs> but it's, it's possible that uh, the fuel filter is just plugged up, and that's where the noise. That's why the noise is there because you're trying to make the pump work against a plugged up fuel filter, and that would manifest itself in poor performance, especially on hills. Tell us about this uncle. Uh, my uh, my uncle Larry. Larry. And, you know, yeah, I called him from the road, and he told me to pull over and get some fuel injector cleaner. Aha! Uh -huh. And put that in. What did you think the truck was still under warranty when you called Uncle Larry? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe I did. I don't know. I always call him when I have a problem. <laughs> Is Uncle Larry the kind of guy who would have followed all the rules about what you should do and when you should do it? Or is Uncle Larry one of those guys that says, ah, that's not necessary? Yeah, like changing uh, the fuel well, filter. Well, you know, he, he has two ways of going about things. And one is, if it's something really good, he will do everything he's supposed to do. But then he's, you know, sometimes he... Are you revealing a deep, dark family <laughs> secret here, Heather? Uh, well, I've revealed it to him before, but... <laughs> well, he might not have ever changed the fuel filter. He might not have. I think either the fuel filter could be plugged up or they could have put a bad pump in. A bad fuel pump. Well, and, and, or they could have somehow messed up the, the pickup. You know, there's a sock at the end of the fuel pump to filter out things like rocks and whatever that would ordinarily damage the pump. So it may be that that's, that was installed correctly or there's some restriction, other restriction in the line. So one of those things is going to fix it. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't go well, accusing them. I, I would ask them nicely, <laughs> say, what's this noise and how come I couldn't get over 30 miles an hour? <laughs> And maybe they'll feel some responsibility. Yeah, and the first yeah, thing maybe. to do, the, the first thing to do because it's easiest, is to replace the fuel filter. Okay. Good, Good luck, Heather. Heather. Thank you. <laughs> See ya. Nice bye bye. Talking to you. Bye bye. Eight 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 Car Talk. That's eight 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 two two seven eight two five five. Hello, you're on. Hi, uh, my name is Patrick from Charlotte, North Carolina. Hi, Patrick. What's going on? Uh, well, I've got a 2005 Ford F two fifty pickup truck. Uh huh. And when I hit the brakes um, really hard, where I would expect the ABS to be engaged, uh -huh. I am getting a feeling as though I'm not stopping, and I'm hearing a noise that is a really fast ratcheting sound. That, is the, that is the ABS. That is the ABS. Yeah, that's is, what you're hearing. Yeah. And would I only run into this problem when I'm on a, say, new asphalt or a slick surface yeah. or a dirt yeah. surface? Sure. Yes, sir. If you were on a, if you were on an unimproved road, you know, okay. where, where the grip of the tires wasn't as great as it would be on an asphalt road, or if you were on a wet road or snowy or whatever. And so the the <laughs> whatever is uh that, that's supposed to be there. Well, I, well, I, I would I would have described like that. 
Is it more like that? And you could, you could actually feel the thing getting telegraphed through the pedal. Yes, yes, yes. It scares the heck out because of me. Because what you're oh. feeling is... Fact, I almost crash immediately after this happens because I take my foot off the brake. Right, because this is no. the first time you've ever deployed the ABS, probably. Um, no, it's happened a few times. That's kind of why I decided I better call these oh, guys. Oh, you better call. Well, and so the first few times you weren't that worried about it, but now you're worried. <laughs> you no, know, I can't say I wasn't worried. But So, so basically it boils down to um, I'm just... Uh, a fool for not knowing that my brakes were working. <laughs> well, I mean, if you'd read the owner's book, it would probably have described this ratcheting kind of sound, and and it would explain to you that it's... The owner's what? <laughs> <laughs> that it's, perf- it's exactly. perfectly normal. <laughs> but, but your feeling that, that, your, that your stopping distance increases is probably not unfounded. That's one of the little flaws with ABS, that it doesn't necessarily shorten your stopping distance in fact it could lengthen it but what it does do is keep you going straight is it allows you to then okay. maneuver the vehicle yeah you can change you know you can you can do things you can steer it and get it to go where you want it to go and you can't do that if you're in a skid but that's only if you have the nerve to keep your foot on the brake pedal which oh, yeah. that's in the owner's that's in the owner's book too patrick yeah if you read the owner's book it says hold the pedal down and <laughs> And steer, and hope you don't hit a tree. <laughs> I mean, and there's no and there's no substitute, by the way, uh, for driving sanely and safely. And ABS is not going to rescue you if you're doing something nutty. Am I leading you to believe that maybe I'm not no, the best no, 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 no. This was meant as a general, you know, an entire audience admonition. I get you. That I get lots you, of people who have ABS, and I will admit that I am as guilty of it. I was as guilty. When, when my wife got her brand new, uh, uh, I can't remember what vehicle it was. It was a 98 Volvo, and it was the first vehicle we had that had had all-wheel drive. Ah. And I decided that on the first snowy night that I would take it out. <laughs> and floor it. <laughs> and floor it. It's just to see, and especially on some hills. So there were yeah. some snow-covered hills in our town which had yet to be plowed or sanded or salted. And I wanted to see if this car had had the goods, you know, yeah. if it was as good as advertised. So I take off with this thing, and next thing I know, I'm doing 35 miles an hour on a snow-covered road, and I said... And you're going backwards. <laughs> and I said, geez, but I'm not worried because I have ABS, Yeah, you know? Sure. And, but I realized that when I stepped on the brakes, that the car stopped nice and straight, but it just kept going and going, <laughs> and, going. and going and going. And at some point, I started to panic. I was looking for a tree to side, so I figured that's the only way I was going to stop. So I was driving way too fast with the prevailing conditions, and what enabled me to drive that fast was the fact that I had a car that could go in snow. I see the all-wheel drive. You know, so I I trust now, Patrick, you have some kind of religion about this. Um, Yeah, I keep my eyes wide open. I try and stop it. (laughs) To to the annoyance of everyone behind me, I stop really early. (laughs) Okay, but, but read the book, because the book gives you the whole lowdown on how to use the ABS system. I think I will open the first owner's manual, probably any motorized <laughs> vehicle tool toy I've ever owned. I really appreciate All it. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks for your call, man. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. It's always good to, to read, read the owner's well, manual. Well, guys don't read the book. I know. I mean, how many, things do you, how many consumer products have you bought in your life that you've ever read the book before, oh, before. plugging the thing in? Oh, how about, like, my cell phone? <laughs> I've never read the book. I don't even know where the book is. And, well, I would have told you how to retrieve a lost cell phone, which you <laughs> lost the other day. See that? 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. A lawyer. Hi, we're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, 
car repair, and of course the answer to last week's puzzler. And this was just, which is still not remembering yet. I, I still don't just, remember. Just, I want you to be calm. Give me a give me a hint. I'm going to give you. I'm going to read the whole puzzler. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that might do it. Why do I have? I, this? I have I have a huge confession to make. Yeah. This morning, I couldn't remember the puzzle <gasps> either. <gasps> See, not only could I not it's remember contagious. <laughs> not only could I not remember it, I spent a good twenty minutes trying to remember it. Really, and I couldn't. Why don't you call me? <laughs> <laughs> I would have, but you lost your cell phone. Anyway, this was sent in by a fellow named Roger from Sunnyvale, California, and he writes the following: uh, My friend Russell is about as laid back as you can get. He doesn't own a watch or his cell phone, he even unplugged the clock in his car so he wouldn't be tyrannized by it. Mm. One day recently, he visited this brand new mega bookstore near his house, and he first checked out the cafe where he bought himself a cappuccino, decaf, naturally. Then he kind of drifted over to the periodicals area where he perused his favorite golf journal, Putts Magazine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, as you might expect, he found the yoga and meditation books, and after considerable browsing, he finally made a purchase and, and left. He drove away, and as soon as he got onto the highway, he remembered that his sister had invited him over for dinner. Now, Russell's sister is one uptight pain-in-the-butt clock watcher, and if he showed up late for dinner, she'd be on his case for weeks. He began to sweat. What if I spent too much time in the bookstore, he thought. In a panic, poor Russell reached for the book that he had just bought, Zen and the Art of the Leveraged Buyout. <laughs> Within moments, his fear had abated. He wouldn't be late after all. What was in that book that set his mind at ease? You know, you've read the whole thing, and I don't have the faintest idea of ever having heard any of that before. <laughs> well, it was funny. <laughs> you should mention that because last week after I did it, you knew the answer. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, this is great. This is <laughs> what he saw in the book was none of the text or the title, or any of that, what he saw was the receipt. Oh, and almost the all... Time with the on time on it. Exactly, yeah, the receipt. Now you remember, right? I remember it now. <laughs> he saw the time, and he knew... He said, I got plenty of time. Right, he knew he wasn't. He knew he was going to be late. <laughs> anyway, who's our winner? <laughs> oh, boy. The winner this week is John Salinger from Berwick, Maine. And for having his answer selected at random, from among all the correct answers that we got, John is going to get a $26 gift certificate to the Shameless Commerce Division at cartalk.com with which he can pick up our CD of calls that are all about fathers. It's called Why You Should Never Listen to Your Father When It Comes to Cars. And it's yours, John, if you want it, for being our puzzler winner. Anyway, we have a brand new puzzler coming up in the third half of the show, so don't go bathe the dog just yet. <laughs> in the meantime, we'll take your calls. Our number is 888-CAR-TALK. Uh, That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hello, my name is Dale, and I'm from Lunenburg, Massachusetts. Hey, Dale. Lunenburg. I know where that is. No, you don't. Hey, well, yeah. Not only do I know where it is, I used to go to Lunenburg. I used to go for something there. Wayland Park. No, Wayland Park is there, but well, I used no, to have a something else. I had a friend who used to have a cottage in Lunenburg, and we used to go there because Lunenburg is one of the few places that I knew of that had a large Finnish community. Really? And we, and we used to go to do sauna 
in uh, there used to be sauna baths in Lunenburg. Oh, that's not where I went. I generally tell people that if you're driving out Route 2 from Boston, this is where you will absolutely need to stop to use the restroom. <laughs> but wait a minute. Is, is there some kind of a military thing in Lunenburg? <clears throat> no, you're thinking of Looneyburg. <laughs> So there's no Looneyburg, maybe. I think you've been to Looneyburg. There's, there's no uh, like military base there. No, there's one in Shirley and there's one in Air. All right. Oh, it might have been when you were in the CIA. It, it was. You reported to somebody in Lunenburg. Ah, I could well be Looneyburg. Well, Any... thanks for calling, Dale. <laughs> wow, now we got that straightened out. What's going on, man? Well, I have a 1997 Ford F-150 Lariat. Uh huh. That I inherited from my father, which yeah. I love. And it's making a very, very funny sound. Ah. It keeps tempo with the RPMs. Okay. And it's sort of a whining whirring. And when does it when does it make the noise for us and tell us when it makes it? Okay. When I'm idling, it's relatively inaudible. Okay. And as I accelerate and as as the car shifts, it drops and builds with the with the RPMs. Right. So, so it goes wee. <laughs> you know, you have a, a you have a a career as a foley artist, maybe. You know? <laughs> so it, it's it's because it, when you start off from a dead stop, you're idling at maybe 800 RPM, or whatever. And yeah. when you step on the gas, it goes up to maybe 3,000, and and all that time that the pitch of this thing and intensity are changing. Yes. And then when it shifts into second gear, you start the whole process all over again. Right. Yeah. And then when I'm back to 1800 on the highway. You can barely hear it over the exhaust. Over the roar of all the other things that are making noise. Right. Well, right. It, it, my father put a Flowmaster exhaust on it, so you oh, can so kind of... you can't hear anything. You wouldn't, no. <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't hear a nuclear explosion <laughs> over there. Well, I it's, took it, the radio out because no, there's no use. Why bother, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it sounds like a clear case of, of the belt tensioner making noise. The belt tensioner is a pulley okay. that has a bearing in it. And that that's exactly the kind of noise it makes. But it could be the power steering pump. Fords are kind of famous Could for that. Be? Now, when I took it to my mechanic, yeah. his thought, his first thought was that it was one of the pulleys. And oh. He wasn't sure which one, but we kind of... Well, didn't he listen? He did. And then we re- he replaced one that I don't... I, I looked at it under the hood, and I can't tell if it's attached to an actual part of the engine or if it's just a relay. Yeah, but I mean, it should be easy to find because he's sitting, he's standing right there. Yeah. All he's going to do is take, get himself a piece of hose... Stick one end of it in his ear, and put the other end in the engine, and keep moving it around until it gets until the hose gets tangled up in the, <laughs> the fan belt. Yeah. Until, until something explodes. Until the fan cuts into shreds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, he should be able to find it in two minutes. Okay. Well, the easiest thing to do, and I always like to make searches what they call binary. And that is, I want to eliminate a whole, as much stuff as I can right off the bat. Uh-huh. And what I would do if I couldn't immediately isolate it is remove the belt and run the engine without the belt. And if the noise is gone, then you know for sure it's one of the things that is driven by the belt. You may not know which one right away, but right. you can then spin every device, including the water pump, by hand. And if you listen very carefully you'll probably hear a very uh, diminished version of the noise. You're doing this with the engine off, yeah, You're doing this with the engine off, right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to you. stick your hand down there. <laughs> yeah, the engine's off, and you're spinning everything. You can spin the alternator. You can spin the water pump. You can spin the idler puller. You can spin the tensioner and all of these things. The power steering pump is a little bit hard to spin 
because the fluid offers resistance. So you may have to just listen to that and guess if none of the other things show that they're making the noise. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be easy to find. Yeah. And go to take a sauna there. If this, because I was there 40 <laughs> years ago. And, and uh, I was there, it was 40 years ago that I used to go to Lunenburg for the, when you were in the CIA and I used to go take those sauna baths. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, the whole families would go. I mean, it was a, it was a wonderful communal thing. That's great. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, they may still be there. <laughs> they're, they're hidden in a secret CIA base. They may be. Good, ah, luck. Yes. Good luck with your noise, Dale. Thank you so much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hi, this is Jennifer. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Hi, Jennifer. What's going on? Well, I have a 95 Geoprism. And two months ago, I went out to start my car early in the morning when it was really cold and wet, and it would turn over, but it wouldn't start. But when I came back later in the afternoon, I tried to start it again, and it started right up. So the next morning, I hoped that it would start, and it did, and I brought it straight to a mechanic, Uh had him look at it, and he told me he couldn't find anything wrong with it. So I was like, okay, maybe it was a one-time deal. But then the next morning, it happened again, and it's been happening on and off since then. So you turn the key, and it and it goes, ah, uh-huh. but nothing happens. Exactly. Okay. But now that the weather's getting warmer, it's happening with less frequency. And I did bring it to a mechanic a second time, and he told me the same thing. He's like, well, we can't find anything wrong. You have to bring it back when you're having the problem. The only problem with that is then I have to find a, yeah. a mechanic who does house calls. Right. Right. Well, you could have it towed someplace the next time it doesn't start. That's and, true. And hope that they look at it right away. Because uh-huh. if they if it sits in there a lot and the sun beats down on it for four hours, mm-hmm. it's probably going to start for them. And it doesn't rain much there, eh? <laughs> in Portland? No, not at all. No, it rains every minute. <laughs> yes, especially in the winter when it's cold. Yeah, and, and so this is going to, next winter, this is going to be a terrible problem. Okay. But, I mean, you probably have something simple like a bad coil or bad spark plug wires. Okay. If you open the, open the hood and look at the spark plug wires, and okay. look carefully, there's a date on them. Okay. Okay. And I wouldn't be surprised. If they if, say 95. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if, if you can see a 19, and it'll have the whole date, 1995, if you can see that, you may need a set of spark plug wires. Yeah. Okay. But take it someplace and tell them to wet it down. We use a... Uh, a misting kind of spray, you know, the kind of thing you'd uh, you'd use for uh, Windex, for example. Okay. Uh, so just a spray bottle? A spray yeah. bottle, and you fill it up with water, and we spray the thing a lot. Spray all the wires. You want to spray all the wires. Spray the wires and distribute everything. You spray the windshield, whatever you want to spray. You want to okay. simulate the wet conditions that you have when it rains, and my guess is that it won't start when you do that, and okay. it'll be obvious what it is. All right. All right? Well, thank you very much. Good luck, Jennifer. See you later. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. one car talk That's 888-227-8255. Hi, guys. This is Natasha from Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, Natasha. What a great name. You should have an accent with a name like Natasha. Yet I don't speak Russian. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> so what's Anchorage, eh? Yeah. You in the Witness Protection Program or something? Or, or uh, was this a choice to live in Anchorage? Um, I was born and raised here, so definitely not a choice. Not a choice. But I love it here. Have All you right. ever been out of there? Well, I've left a few times. Where'd you go? Oh, you know, I've been to 
Mexico and Hawaii, California. You've New been York. to Hawaii and you love Anchorage? What are you nuts? <laughs> we're, the, we're the freak state. We gotta love. We gotta love Anchorage. All right, all right. Well, we won't challenge that anyway. Okay, what's up? What can we do for you? Well, I don't really have necessarily a problem. It's more of a curiosity about my car. Yeah. Um, I just bought my first car ever. You know, I was driving my mom's old 1993 Subaru Legacy, and I just bought a 2001 Subaru Forester. Okay. And I bought it for all the good reasons. You know, it's all-wheel drive, which is almost a necessity here in Alaska. Yeah. But it's a stick shift. Oh. And, you know, I haven't had a lot of experience on a stick shift. My counselor in stick shift 101 is my fiancé, who has a lot more experience. So uh -huh. we bought the car, and our first test drive was to drive it up to Fairbanks, which is about six hours north. And I got tw we got 29 miles to the gallon on the highway, and I was excellent. so excited. Oh, my gosh. So then <laughs> we drove it around the city for um, a, a tank or two, and it was getting about, I think, 23 miles to the gallon, which is just good, too. Yeah. But then I started realizing when I was primarily driving the car, I was getting fewer miles to the gallon. I, and this is my theory, is that when he's driving it, he's driving it somehow better than I am because he has more experience with a stick shift. Mm -hmm. ah. And so I'm wondering if you have any tips for me about what I could be doing that's, you know, burning more gas. And also, what's this whole deal with downshifting that he's trying to teach me? Like, what's the difference? I mean, can't I just put it in neutral, put on the brake? I brake on my automatic. And should I downshift? I just don't understand it. Uh, okay, we'll do one thing at a time. Okay. Uh, what, what's the difference in mileage between your, your driving and his driving? too significant it's like 20 i'm getting 21 well it may be that he's just a lot more judicious with the gas pedal and okay. in that he's giving it when he takes off from a dead stop he's giving it less gas and letting the clutch out quicker okay you know yeah. so yeah i mean when when you, know. you start off driving with a stick shift and you don't really have the, the, the technique down there's a tendency to give it a lot of gas so you don't stall it out Yes, that is my fear, but luckily we do not have a lot of hills in Anchorage. Yeah. Well, you don't even need hills. You don't even need hills. But... Oh, no, you can stall out a stick shift car <laughs> on a, going on a... downhill. <laughs> yeah. So you may, so you may be doing a little of that. that. That's it. Okay. That's one thing. The downshifting thing. Uh... Well, we'll discuss it, but there was one other thing I wanted to mention. You may be delaying. You, know, you will get your best mileage if you do your upshifts as quickly as possible. In other words, when you're in the highest gear... Now, you don't want to be in fifth gear when you're doing 12 miles an hour, but you certainly don't want to be, conversely, you don't want to be in first gear when you're doing 35 miles an hour. Okay. Because that wastes gas. So you do want to get, if you want to make a mistake, if you want to err on one side or the other, I would be in a higher gear as, as opposed to a lower gear. Yeah. So say, I mean, when you start out in first gear, uh -huh. you don't need to be in first gear very long. I think that's probably one of the main things. Yeah, and that'll make a big difference. So if you're and winding then, it out in first, you know, you're not going to get your best mileage. Okay. Now, the downshifting thing, I, I would say that you should probably not listen to his advice in this regard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because while you can't downshift to slow down, the only time we advocate downshifting is if you're trying to slow the vehicle down under extreme conditions. Like, let's say you, you find yourself coming down a hill and you say, oh, I'm going too fast. Mm -hmm. You'd want to downshift then to a lower gear to allow the engine to help you slow down the car. But if anything, that's going to decrease the mileage that he gets. If he's downshifting okay. a lot. If he's downshifting. So I, could be, I could be getting 24, 25 miles. I now. think you should make yeah. a contest out of this, Natasha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's not much going on there in Anchorage, eh? <laughs> no, not, not too much. We just, the snow just melted and... 
I got a sunburn. That's wonderful. <laughs> but anyway, I, I would I would refrain from downshifting in, unless you you were you know forced to downshift because you were coming down a hill or going too fast or there were a situation where you wanted to use the engine as a brake in addition to the pedal. Now, what about snowy and icy conditions? Snowy and icy, ah. it's good to downshift under those yeah. kinds of conditions or to moderate the vehicle speed using the transmission and not just the brakes. But okay. it, here's what you don't want to do. If you see a traffic light up ahead, you don't want to shift from fourth to third to second to first so that you don't ever use the brakes. That's saving your brakes but wearing out a $1,000 clutch. Okay, that's that's what I wanted to hear. Well, let us know who you're making out in the, in the uh, MPG war with him. All right, I will. All right, keep us posted. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Natasha. Good luck, Natasha. Bye-bye. Hi. All right, look, it, it's that time of the show. Yeah, this is where we give our stations time to uh, do stuff, you know. That's right. In fact, as we speak, I, I would guess that station managers all over the country are shimmying down the back drain pipes of their stations to avoid the car talk protesters. <laughs> <laughs> you have a new puzzler coming up, don't I, you? I do have a new puzzler coming up, and in, in fact, it has to do with the corporate America. Corporate America. Well, yeah. All right. Well, You'll you okay. figure it out. That's coming up next, along with more of your calls, so please stay tuned. And even though our adult children demand paternity tests whenever they hear us say it, this is NPR National Public Radio. Ha! We're back. Don't wake me up like that. <laughs> You're listening to Car Talk with us. Click and collect the Tappert Brothers. And we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and the new puzzler, which I said comes from corporate America. Corporate America, yeah. yeah this yeah. Is, this sounds interesting. Well, this I should know something about this, having taught. Yeah, corporate America. having misinformed corporate America for decades. <laughs> and this, this was sent in by Jenny Lubeck recently, huh. a year ago. A year ago. A year or so ago. That's good. Imagine this scene, if you will. Uh, a, a group of, of corporate bigwigs is sitting around a conference table discussing ways of boosting sales of some of their uh, company's products. As you might expect, they debate the merits of several of the time-honored marketing measures, including some of my favorites, like lying, cheating, and false advertising. <laughs> but this day, they were looking for something new, something fresh. Yeah. And they turned to a young junior exec recently promoted from the ranks of the janitorial staff, a fellow named Schnerdling. And he said, look, there's a product that we sell whose sales, I believe, can be doubled. Oh, really? They said. Oh, yes. All we need to do is add one word to the directions written on the container. That will do it. Now, I might add that this product is a common household item, something that lots of us use maybe every single day. And the question is, what could that word be? And what might the product be? Wow, this is hard. 
<laughs> Especially if you don't remember it five minutes after I do it. Well, it, even if you remember it, this is it, a it tough could, one. It could be harder. There may be more than one answer. I don't know, but I know what the word is, I think. Okay. Now, if you think you know the answer, write it on the lid of a Vermont Castings signature series five-burner gas grill with 600-square-inch oh. primary cooking area, 230-square-inch secondary warming surface, 20,000 BTU infrared rotisserie system, <laughs> cast iron, porcelain-coated cooking grates, electronic ignition, stainless steel sear plates, and a couple of dozen cuts of free-range organic Lassiter grasslands filet mignon. <laughs> <laughs> and send it fully assembled of course. to Puzzler Tower, Car Talk Plaza, Box 3500, Harvard Square, Cambridge. Our fair city. Matt 02238. Or you can email us your answer from cartalk.com. Now, if you have a question for us, give us a call. Our, our number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-2278-255. Hi, guys. Uh, this is John. I'm calling from outside of Chicago. A place hey. called Palos. Palos. P-A-L-O-S? P-A-L-O-S. Yeah. Huh. What does that mean? I don't know. I think it's Spanish or something, isn't it? Yeah. What do we know? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think but uh, it's close to Chicago. That's all a, we have to Palo know. What's Palo in Spanish? Palo is a stick or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sticks. It's, 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 you're, you're, oh, you live out in the sticks. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I got it. It's nice. Southwest. <laughs> anyway, so, what's, what's up? What's, what's going uh, on? I've got, a, I've, got a prob- I've got a car problem that's turning into a betrayal, I think, here. Oh. i got a 2004 uh, Honda Accord, six-cylinder. Okay. And I've followed everything by the manual and the warranties and had the oil changes done. And what happened is uh, after the last oil change, my wife uses the car. When she starts it up and she puts it into reverse to back out of the driveway and puts her foot on the brake, obviously, yeah. it sounds like a symphony of like snare drums. It's, it's more metal hitting metal than I've ever heard. So oh. she leaves. When she leaves down the street, it just sounds horrible. So it sounds like she's dragging a bunch of tin cans along. <laughs> she might be. You had an oil change? Yeah, but I checked the oil right away, thinking that maybe they, they shorted me or something was wrong, but it was fine. So I called them and took it back in. Great. And they said, let us have it overnight. Ah. And then uh, this really glib service advisor from Honda calls me the next day, and he says, I've got good news and bad news. Uh-huh. And he lays this word on me that I've never heard before, but you guys probably have, and it's called piston slap. Oh, really? And I, I thought of you guys, I thought dope slap immediately when I, <laughs> when I heard that. Oh, boy. And he said, it's not anything to worry about, that the car makes oh. a little noise, and when it warms up, it's going to be better. Go ahead and drive it. Now that you've made a comment to us, you know, we'll just keep an eye on it. So is this... And then he said, I'm going to waive your, your diagnostic fee by 50%. And that's when I felt really like I'd been had or worse. And, and they, did the, they did the oil change, the Honda agency? All, every whatever miles, every notice I get, I go right back to that well, agency. They owe you an engine. And, and I'll tell you, uh, they ought to be ashamed of themselves for, ha- for not having called in the zone rep and authorized a new engine. Uh, Honda should is is usually much more attentive about their reputation than that. It's okay. not unusual. For example, lots of Subarus have this this piston slap thing, and okay. but it's and it's not unusual to hear it for the first you know depending on the weather you know the ambient temperature you might hear it for the first minute or so that you run the engine. Okay. After it's warmed up, if it isn't gone, there's a problem, and the problem is that there's been excessive wear that's taken place. E- either the the pistons have have caused the the cylinders to wear out into such a fashion that they're now 
oval shaped and not round and the piston as it descends in the cylinder is basically jiggling down the down the wall yeah it's vibrating it's vibrating mm-hmm. and okay. it's going da, 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 and that's what you're hearing okay so so this fellow actually heard it oh yeah they say, he said uh, quote unquote i put my most experienced technician on this yeah. And he's been around a long time, and he came up with this is definitely piston slap. And there are other Hondas that have this? Uh, I, I, well, he said it was common was the word that he used, and I said one out of ten. And he said, well, I can't give you a number. Well, you'd like yeah. a number, because if it yeah. really is, they're going to have to replace a lot of engines. <laughs> now, I, I, I would, uh, you must have, do you have some kind of lemon law in, in Illinois? Yeah, I think there is a lemon law, but I don't, I don't know whether or not it's really feasible to, to go the distance, but I certainly could look into and, it. And how many miles do you have on this thing? Uh, it has 21,000 now. No, 21,000 oh, 21, miles a on a car. car. If you were in Massachusetts, they would have to rebuild your engine because okay. we have laws that, that don't allow manufacturers to put a time limitation on a warranty. Okay. And you would never have bought this car. This is the simple interpretation of the law as far as I know. Would you have bought this car if you had known in advance that at 21000 you were going to have piston slap? No, I certainly wouldn't. And I, and I can't resell this car at this point either, sure, can I? Sure, that's right. right. And, uh, well, I would sell it back to the Honda dealer. Say, well, it's perfectly normal. Lots of Accords have this. Sure, that's right. And you would be reasonable expecting to get full trade-in value for it. Huh. Right? If there's nothing wrong with it, if it's perfectly normal, then they should give you what every other Honda Accord gets as a trade-in. Yeah. I would take it to another Honda dealer Okay. And, and see what they say. Okay, all right. But you have, you have every right to expect it to be fixed. And if you can't get it fixed, you have every right to expect full value on a trade-in. And should I go up the chain from the stores, or in other words, should I call uh, Honda itself? Yeah, I, I think. Well, if if the second dealership gives you the same song and dance, I think you should insist before you contact your lawyer. Okay. Tell them that you want to see the zone rep and you want them to fix this. Okay. You know? All right. And of course, there's always don't forget. The time-honored tradition of putting sawdust in there <laughs> <laughs> before you trade it in. Yeah. So That'll definitely they, cut down the sound. <laughs> Maybe that's what they did. Yeah, yeah, and if you have receipts, they have they have all the records. If you've done all your oil changes at the dealership. Yeah, I've kept every receipt. Well, yeah. they have them too. Yeah. Okay. And you've done nothing wrong. And, and if, they, if they're trying to say that you did something wrong, you have to, you'll have to you know, challenge them on it. Okay. Insist that you get the whole thing fixed. Okay. Good I'm luck. I'm on it. See you, John. Thank you, guys. I bye. I'm ashamed of Honda for even. Well, I mean, I I'm ashamed. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't criticize the whole company. This one no, dealership no. is. The dealership is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well they didn't, maybe they were busy that day. They didn't want to rebuild the engine. <laughs> we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. I'm, I'm sure they'll see the light and they'll replace John's engine. They will. Eight 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 Car Talk. That's eight 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 two two seven eighty two. Calling from San Francisco. Hi, Sarah. What's going on? Is that on? with an H? I own a. Whoa, 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 whoa. Huh? Is that Sarah with an H or without an H? I'm going to guess that it's with. It is with an H, and thank you for asking. Yes, I'm whoa. part of the Silent H Club. The Silent H Club, huh? <laughs> and, and, and why is it so important that uh, we recognize that you have an H in your name? Because I grew up with about 11 different Sarahs on my soccer team, and the only way that myself and a couple of other of us could distinguish ourselves was with the H on the uh-huh. end. Uh-huh. So you are from the generation when Sarah was a really yes, popular I name. Yes, I have many, many Sarahs in my life. Sure. Anyway, so go ahead. Okay. So here's my problem. It's, an, it's a strange one. I own a Saab. It's a 1995 Saab 95. 
I bought it from my dad about a year ago, and it works great. Um, By the way, I I hate to interrupt again, (laughs) but we get lots of calls from people who say, oh, I bought this car from my father. Uh Neither of my kids has ever bought anything from me. (laughs) Well, they take... Well, because you're ready to bring it to the junkyard. No, 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 I take it. No, no, I had a perfectly good pickup truck that my older son yeah, that's true. took to college one, one week, and I never saw it again. <laughs> my other son asked if he could borrow my Mitsubishi because he has this little tutoring business. And he said, well, I have to go to people's houses, and it's winter, and I can't ride my bike. And his mother looked at me like... I never saw that car again either. Well, I did buy it for a very nice price. Maybe we could say that. Well, I'd be happy with any price. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so it's a 9.5 Saab. That's a, that's a nice car. It runs very nice. Well, I don't have trouble with it. But for about the last three months, every time I fill up the car, I wait until you know the tank is almost empty, mm-hmm. and I go to fill up the car, and the car will not let me put more than $35 worth of gas into the tank. Lucky you! <laughs> no, and it's no matter what the price per gallon is, it's always 35 bucks. It's always $35 on the nose. It doesn't matter what gas station I go to. It doesn't matter the price of gas. It doesn't matter what card I use. Oh, come on. Will you, Sarah? No, so it's true. <laughs> Give us a break. <laughs> so so it's true. It's true. It's $35 every single time. And, and depending on, you know, how much gas there was when I went to the station, it'll either be almost full or close to full. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. The way full. So you're roughly you're putting in about 10 or 11 gallons, you think, or yeah, something like that? but it that? definitely can take more gas because, you know, yeah. more, a year ago I could put $55 worth of gas in it. And, and what happens if you try to put more gas in? It won't let me. It keeps shutting off. It yeah. keeps automatically shutting the nozzle right. off. Right. It's as though it's full, you know, when you, yeah. when you pump and it stops. Well, uh-huh. it, it, it may be full because one, uh, there are two possibilities here. One, one is that you have somehow dented the tank. Uh-huh. But I, I, I think more likely yeah, I don't like is the fact that the mechanism that's involved in venting, you know, as you put gas into the tank, the air that's in the tank has to be displaced by the gasoline. And in the good old days, we used to let that stuff just escape through a vent, you yeah. know. But we don't do that anymore because all that air has to go through now a valve. Uh-huh. And when the, when that valve opens up, it allows some of that air to get out of the tank and go into the uh, the canister, the charcoal canister. And eventually, that air that's laden with gas vapors in the tank gets sucked up by the engine's uh, vacuum system and gets burned. So okay. it may be that there's something wrong with that system. But the only way you're going to find that out is to take it into the repair shop. Uh-huh. And is the check engine light on? Yes, the check engine light uh-huh. is on pretty much all the time. Uh-huh. Oh, Sarah, you're, you're going to get <laughs> you penalized can't with holding evidence. things like that. <laughs> yeah, the check engine well, light well, is... The check engine light, though, it seems to be related to the fuel filler cap. It always, always, always goes on after... No, it isn't related to the fuel filler cap. It's no? related... Well, it may be, but it's related to exactly the problem that you have. Oh, okay. When you go in there, they're going to find either there's some restriction in that ventilation tube... Or this, or this valve isn't working, and the tank is not getting ventilated. So it's not let. And, and the closer it gets to getting full, the harder it is for you to get gas in because if you don't let that air out, it won't let any more gas in. It keeps shutting I off see. the nozzle. Uh huh. Because that's okay. the way the nozzle works. The nozzle works on that back pressure. All right. So do you recommend I fix this, or should I let it slide? <laughs> well, no. it depends. Because I mean, you know the car still runs. That is a good question. <laughs> How often do you have your, your smog test in California? Don't you have to do every it? two years? Every two years. She's also, you know, we have that test in this in this state every year. 
Yeah, ours is every two. Every time we, you, they give you one free year. Well, we have it every it. we have it every two years in Massachusetts. But if you go in with a check engine light on, yeah. right, they won't let you smog it. You, you, no. They won't. They won't waive the smog test. Is that the same in California? Yes, it is. It All right. Is. So, so when I you go in for your it. test, even though it's just a safety test this time. Uh-huh. They're going to flag you for a check engine light, just like they do in our state. Yeah. Right. And then you're going to have, have to, fix, to fix, it. fix it. Okay. So why not fix it now, unless you want to save on gas? <laughs> 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 Which sounds like a plan to, you know, and I had a friend, my friend Rich Lodano, yeah. uh, when we lived in Texas, of course, at the time, gasoline was 18 cents a gallon, but that's <laughs> another story. But when, when he got gas, he never put more than $2 worth of gas in his car. Sure, why bother? And he said, if I had $3 worth of gas, I'd be driving around like a nut. <laughs> <laughs> he said, why waste the gas? If I'm always near empty, he said, yeah. I'll never go any place I don't really have to go. That's right. right. You know, so you can do that, too. Okay. I would go for $3.50 worth of gas. <laughs> see you, see you, Sarah. All right, bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Take boy, it easy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> bye-bye. Hey, we got a letter here. We got an email Yeah. from uh, uh, a fellow named Paul Dobratz. And and the the, uh, the letter says, need some help. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Dear Click and Clack, I need your help. On St. Patrick's Day at, at dinner with my wife and son, my wife commented about something and said it must be true since she heard it on NPR. Right? <laughs> well, after, that's mostly true. <laughs> well, after talking a little bit, I, I said, so if someone on NPR said, Connie, buy your husband Paul a 1965 Ford Mustang, you would do it. The answer was yes. Oh. And I have a witness. Yeah. So would you guys mind doing the honors? The I don't mind. Connie, buy your husband, husband a 1965 Mustang. Go for it. <laughs> All right, Paul, send us the check, will you? <laughs> well, it's happened again. You've squandered another perfectly good hour listening to Car Talk. Our esteemed producer is Doug the Subway Fugitive, not a slave to fashion, Bongo Boy Berman. Our associate producers are Louis Cronin the Barbarian and David Gibraltar Green. Our senior web lackey is Doug the Old Gray Mayor. Our engineer is John Cartman Parati. And our technical, spiritual, and menu advisor, just back from the off-the-map, ginger snap, chocolate frap, mushroom cap, maple sap, black strap, kitchen scrap, turkey wrap, beer and tap, pre-buffet reconnaissance lap, is <laughs> John Bugsy Lawler. Our public opinion pollster is Paul Murky of Murky Research. Assisted by statistician Margin of Error. Our customer care representative is Haywood Jabuzoff. Our personal makeup artist is Bud Tugley. Our staff orthopedist is Denise Hoyt. Our wardrobe <laughs> advisor is Luke Howard Fitzhugh. Our Ralph Cramden impersonator from the Dubai office is Mohammed Ahmad Ahmada. <laughs> Our physical therapist is Eustace Kane. Our physics graduate student is Laura Venersha. Our safari planner is Sarah Ann Getty. Our Russian chauffeur is Pikoff and Dropoff. Our head of front desk security is Constance Noring. <laughs> Our optometric firm is CFI Care. Guest accommodations are provided by the Horseshoe Road Inn. And the head of our working mother support group is Erasmus B. Dragon. Our chief counsel from the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe is you, Louis Dewey, known to the postdocs selling Baba Ganoush in Harvard Square <laughs> as you and Louis Dewey. Thanks so much for listening. We're Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers. And, uh, don't drive like my brother. Hey, uh, and uh, don't drive like my brother. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.
CDs of the show, which is number 722, along with Car Talk clothing, audio collections, and other Car Talk gifts, are available at 888-CAR-JUNK or by going to the Shameless Commerce Division of our website, cartalk.com. Also this week at cartalk.com, tips on getting your ride ready for summer. Yeah. I'll have you know, my MG is totally ready for the season. Oh, last of the snow melted? Oh, weeks ago. <laughs> Raccoons out? Spring babies just left the nest this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Nesting chickadees? Off to greener pastures. Tire pressure, coolant, belts, hoses, oil, transmission? All right, don't pressure like that. <laughs> <laughs> Print out our Car Talk summer driving tips in the safe driving area this week at cartalk.com. Car Talk is a production of Dewey, Cheatham & Howe and WBUR in Boston. And even though June Brides say, I guess this is what they mean by for worse, whenever <laughs> they hear us say it, this is NPR, National Public Radio.